0: We put a million pounds of weight on the sales side and nothing happens on profit and we can never bring that balance back. So in some cases, it's actually less sales, but focusing on the right sales and getting rid of the bad ones that actually brings more health to an organization. Sometimes it's let's put a moratorium in trying to sell more. Let's keep on taking on opportunities for sure as they present themselves. but Let's put a profit system in place. It's really understanding that it's a balance of not just how much you make, but how much you take that's necessary.
1: So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner. What a special guest that we have today, Mr. Mike Michalowicz author of Profit First and really so many other books. His most recent book is called Fix This Next, and he even has a new book that's coming out in 2021. In addition to being just a prolific author, he's such a, a down-to-earth person. It's been great to get to just know him personally. I don't think he has needs much introduction. I know he's very popular with a lot of insurance agency owners, especially his book Profit First, which we obviously dive into. So Without further ado, we're just gonna get right into it. Mr. Mike Mikalowitz. Wouldn't it be a great start to 2021 by having more leads in your book of business? Well, that's where our partners at DirectClicks Inc. come in. Their team's dialed-in approach to running Google Ads and online SEO campaigns, maximize the quality and the volume of your leads, whether that's for inbound phone calls or even exclusive leads through your website. DirectClicks Inc works only with PNC insurance agency owners, so they have thousands of hours creating A-B split testing and improving online campaigns specifically for insurance. They also understand why each and every marketing dollar matters in providing true results, low paper clicks, transparency, and attention to detail, all of which is discussed in-depth during your monthly review calls. Reach out to the Direct Clicks team at Inc. That's directclicksinc.com and find out how they can make a difference in your approach to generating new business. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents, so we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, Let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no-obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. Mike, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. It is a joy to be with you, Bradley. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful to have you. So stories really resonate, and your story has been one that has stuck with me for a really long time. And so if you don't mind, just take a couple minutes about... Kind of how all of this began for you, because then with a story, I can't remember if it was your daughter or your son my came. Daughter, up to you yeah, 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 to give the money. Just Did to it, it resonate with you? Did, have you experienced something similar? Yeah, no, I actually really have, and it's part of my story. I really wish I had had your book, Profit First, in 2012, 2013, a couple of years into my very first business, because it would have helped me out a ton.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel you. And I shared a story. I was actually embarrassed for a long time, kind of to keep it quiet. Then I realized it's my story is not my story. It's all of our stories. And sometimes it's not a flavor of financial disaster, but there's trauma, you know? So for me, I grew a couple of businesses right out of college. I was lucky they were successful, but my ego was so big. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm a freaking genius. Everything I start, I had the Midas touch and then I wanted to have the effects for it. So we had a house in the the most expensive town and we live in New Jersey or the most expensive, but one of them, the prestigious address basically. And we, uh, got a house out on Lanai, which is a private island out in Hawaii for a sabbatical year. You know? hmm. And just we're living the new life as I defined. But what I didn't appreciate was internally I truly have become just a dick. I hope outwardly I wasn't behaving that way, but inwardly I felt I was better than others, which is the definition of a dick. Sure. So that I believe there was divine intervention. My third business, I was a calamity. I lost everything, wiped myself out. Wiped out everything. We lost our house. We lost Possessions. And I had to reveal it to my family, my wife, and my three children, because up to that point, I was in total denial. And so many people have been there. You see your financials declining on a logical basis, but emotionally don't accept it. That, I had to now emotionally accept it. We were done. And I came home. My accountant had called me that morning and said, You got to declare bankruptcy. I didn't. He said, The last option is liquidate your assets. I chose that. And I told him we're going to lose our house and so forth. And my daughter, she was nine years old. I said, I'm so sorry, but I cannot. Send you to horseback riding lessons, $20 for a group Mm -hmm. session. And I was crying. She was crying, but everyone's crying. Like, what's going on? She stood up and ran out of the room. And I thought she was running away from me because she was terrified. I wanted to run away from me, honestly. She ran to her bedroom to grab her piggy bank and she ran back to me and she puts it on the table and she goes, Daddy, since you can no longer provide for our family, I'll start doing it. And I'm (laughs) getting emotional. That was the ultimate wake up call for me. I realized. I had a lot to learn about entrepreneurship. It tore out my ego. I hope that's the day I became Uh, de-dickified. And I don't know. I pray God I never have that ego again. But I'm so grateful that it started me down this path of investigating entrepreneurship. What makes people successful? And why do people struggle as entrepreneurs? And uh, I devoted my life now to resolving that. Actually, we're in my office here. That sign on the wall says, eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. That's become my life's mission. And I do as an author. That's why I do what I do.
1: I have a team member that has said to me a few years ago, and it's really stuck with me. That whenever I was thinking, I really feel like I could put myself in your shoes. But she says, your mess becomes your message. Yes. Your mess becomes your message, right? Business is tough. Business is really challenging. And you have mentioned, uh, talking about this common thread, like a DNA amongst all businesses, because as business owners and entrepreneurs, we can tend to think that, Our business is very unique, even in the, say, specifically insurance industry. Well, nobody's really facing the things that I face, right? Right. And so can you just talk about that, about how you feel like inherently at its core DNA level that all the businesses are the same?
0: Yeah. So I went out to study a challenge I identified and became the hypothesis for my book, Fix This Next. The hypothesis is that the biggest challenge business owners and entrepreneurs face is knowing what their biggest challenge is. Like, Bradley, you and I could open our emails right now, and there's like 50 things waiting for us, demanding our attention. So we could do any of those things. But are they really the thing that will serve our business? What's the most impactful thing? So I went out to study this. Interestingly, I did study insurance providers. I got all my insurance through farmers. And my neighbor was a farmer's insurance agent. He owned a location. He was one of the few, by the way, to sell his agency. I asked Art, like, what's the biggest problem you're facing? He's like, you know what? It's really unique to us. (laughs) He goes, you don't understand the need to really be focused on cold calling and these things and all the other stuff is great. But the essence of us is to get on the phone and get those closes. He's like, so we're unique. And the essence of it, what he was defining was simply part of his prospect flow, his sales. So what we need to do is see our business as a chain of events. So imagine between me and you, there's a chain and we're pulling Mm -hmm. it. And our job is to actually make this chain stronger. The mistake would be for me and you to say, well, let's just fix every link. Because if we don't fix the weakest link, the chain will continue to snap at the weakest link until it's resolved. So it becomes this randomization. First, we fix this link, we improve that one. But the chain keeps on snapping until we hit the weakest link. So improving our business, improving that chain is pure happenstance. And most entrepreneurs say, I'm working on everything, but nothing's working because they're trying to fix all the links. So step one is first find the weak link then set to resolve it. So that's what we need to do. And for all businesses, we are a chain of events, or maybe we're a web of services or actions that are linked together, but it's all the links. And I found for all businesses, I don't care if you're insurance or if you're making pizzas, all businesses have what I call the 25 core needs. There's certain functions that every business needs. Within these 25 core needs, we've just got to find the current weakest link and fix
1: that next. Oftentimes, I heard this said before that the bathrobe theory of business is that anytime you have a problem, just push on the throttle. In other words, sales, Mm -hmm. right? And I've heard you say that, honestly, a lot of times it actually makes things worse. Worse. Why is that?
0: Yeah, so sales, if you understand what sales, uh, we boil down to the essence of sales. Sales translates to organizational stress. And here's what I mean. Every time you or I sell more, you and i have now more obligation to deliver on our promises to deliver that insurance policy to ensure that you know they have more communication with those clients so the more we sell actually puts more obligation on us as a small business owner for most of us that means more responsibility on our shoulder because we're not just the owner we're also the leader in many cases so more sales more stress and it becomes even more difficult cuz now we're like oh my gosh to get rid of the stress i need to sell more we put more stress on our shoulders and we're constantly diluting ourselves so it's not Necessarily more sales, we need sales are necessary, but alone are not sufficient. Sales brings in revenue, but now we need to start capturing that revenue and bringing about profitability. The balance here to sales is actually profit, and you often ignore it. And so, like the seesaw, we put a million pounds of weight on the sales side, and nothing happens on profit, and we can never bring that balance back. So, in some cases, it's actually less sales, but focusing on the right sales and getting rid of the bad ones that actually brings more health to an organization. Sometimes it's, let's put a moratorium in trying to sell more. Let's keep on taking on opportunities for sure as they present themselves, but let's put a profit system in place. It's really understanding that it's a balance of not just how much you make, but how much you take that's necessary.
1: Yeah, so I want to transition to ask you and you to describe your business hierarchy of needs, which I thought was fascinating in your book. But before I get there, so if I'm a business owner, if I'm an insurance agency owner, And I know that I need more sales. My auto sales are down, my fire sales, my life sales, whatever it is. But I also realize, honestly, my team culture sucks. Okay. I'm the short one or two, a salesperson, a customer care person. And ultimately, what I'm getting at is people will feel paralyzed. They just really don't know what to do next. They don't know what's the right move to make because everything can sometimes. And I'm not saying everybody listening to this podcast is this way, but a lot of people have at least felt this at one time. They get paralyzed and don't know what to do. So for that person, what would you recommend that they do whenever they feel that way?
0: Yeah, we call it revert to the base. So when we look at our chain, we're like, well, every chain is the weakest link and therefore I need to fix all of this stuff. But by definition, only one thing can be the most at any certain time. And so what we do is if I have a culture issue, I have sales issues, I have profitability issues, what I do is I go back to the base. And so in the business hierarchy of needs, there's five levels, the base level is sales. So sales is important, it's critical because it generates cash. And so if we're not generating cash and have a culture issue, generating cash becomes actually a priority because I can have the greatest greatest culture and everyone loves working here. We got no money. We're done. So the basis sales that must be addressed, but to the earlier point, more sales is not necessarily helpful. We just need adequate sales. It's like breathing. The essence of humanity's survival is actually the consumption of oxygen breathing. We need to eat water and drink food and so forth, but you can get by without drinking a little bit of water or food for a bit of time. But if you stop breathing, We got an issue. And that's why if I'm eating a hamburger, food consumption, and it gets lodged in my throat, it's not about consuming more. Now it's about expelling that blockage so I can breathe again. We automatically revert to the most base critical need. And for the business, we got to have oxygen coming in. But to the other side, more oxygen. At a certain point, you start hyperventilating. You can get dizzy. So more sales is too much. Just we need adequate sales. It's the oxygen for business. Once we have that, then we got to consider profitability. Profitability creates stability for an organization. It's runway. If a business is making money, but not taking money, meaning they're selling, but there's no profit, it becomes more and more stressful. To keep this thing spinning, we got to sell faster and faster. It's day-to-day survival and it's pure stress. So the balance is profit. Once we've profit, then we focus on order. Order is the creation of efficiency throughout the organization, which includes culture, to your point. And then above that, there's what's called impact, which is serving clients at a transformational level, not a transactional level the highest level then is legacy, which is is basically building a business that will have permanent impact regardless of the input and activity of the owners or founders.
1: I want to talk about the profit piece a little bit of it, because again, as I was mentioned to you before we started the podcast, so it's been said that revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, (laughs) cash is king, right? Right. So I really wanted to ask you this. What are your thoughts on that?
0: It's the freaking truth. And you know, my ego, going back to the old days with my businesses, was all about top line. It was so great to walk in the meeting and someone's like, oh, I just passed $500,000. like, I got a million-dollar business. But yeah. when someone said they had a $5 million business, I was pissed because I'm yeah. not there yet. It became this vanity game. It was the how big is it contest? And quite frankly, no one really cares. What matters is how healthy is it. So I started a new dialogue in my head. Instead of saying like, well, how much revenue you got, how many employees do you have, which is a... Of a backdoor way to see the size of a business, I simply start asking myself and others, How healthy is your business? It's like a deer in headlights. Mm-hmm. when next time you go to a meeting, someone's like, Oh, have you said we just amplified our business? We passed that million dollar mark. And then say, Well, tell me, how healthy is your business? Like, well, we don't have any money and my furniture at home is lawn furniture because I can't afford it. That's the conversation we want to have. And that should be our bragging point. I am far more impressed by a company that does a few hundred thousand dollars in revenue. And that owner's taking home a hundred grand as opposed to a $5 million business and the person has lawn furniture at home. It really is about the
1: sanity associated with profitability. I mentioned this to you earlier that I truly wish that I had had your book when I first started my business back in 2010. Quick story, 2012 or so, I went to my accountant. And he says, congratulations, you had your best year ever. You you had $32,000 in profit. And I am embarrassed, somewhat embarrassed to say this now, but in that moment, I said, uh, great, where's that money? I mean, I truly <laughs> was like, where's like, the money? Classic one, I mean, me too. I mean, I was like, I had $100 in the bank account. I needed the money, right? And so yeah. this, I did not understand the interplay between the difference of profit and cash in yeah. business, right? And that started fundamentally me realizing I needed to figure this out. But your model, that revenue, minus profit equals expenses. Can you just dive into that a little bit for those that have not heard or read your book yet? Yeah, of course, of course. So what confronted me one day was I
0: saw a statistic that blew my mind. According to U.S. Bank, they did a study in the U.S., 83% of small businesses. And small business is defined by a company that does $25 million in revenue or less. (laughs) It's not very small. That's not very small. Every business I've ever owned is small business. And Even though I'd say I have a medium-sized business, I was small. 83% of us are surviving check by check, according to the study, meaning that these small businesses, and in the US alone, there is, I think it was 180 million, about 200 million small businesses now, that we don't have enough cash in hand to pay payroll, rent, let alone pay ourselves an appropriate salary. So the owner sacrifices themselves. And they say, well, next month, I'll make up for this. And they don't. And we sacrifice ourselves or we try to start dancing around with vendors, not paying on time or try to skip on rent. We're in this constant stress. And I said, how come so many business owners and everyone listening to this podcast, I'm sure, started our business for financial freedom. At least that's part of the reason. Maybe it's because it's your joy too. For financial freedom. And yeah, that's the one thing we can't achieve. What's wrong with us? And it's like, oh my gosh, there's nothing wrong with us. We are following a formula that is flawed. The traditional foundational formula is sales minus expenses equals profit. In fact, it's in our vernacular. We call profit the bottom line or the year end. All things that say it comes last. And while that does make logical sense, it does not make behavioral sense. Because when something comes last, it means it's insignificant. I would never say, my health is so important to me. That's why I put my health last now. Or, you know, <laughs> like never say stuff like that. Last means it doesn't matter now. So profit's the bottom line, year end, it comes last. It means it doesn't matter until the year end. And then we look at our numbers and it's not there. We're like, damn it, maybe next year. So what I did in Prop First is we simply flip the formula. It's sales minus profit equals expenses. What I mean by this in practice is every time revenue comes into your firm, every time we have sales, we subtract a predetermined percentage of that money as profit. It's a cash profit we hide from ourselves and then run our business
1: off the remainder. This is the pay yourself first principle applied to business. So you then go on in that book to talk about the structure the your recommended way to be able to set up the accounts and for somebody that's starting out is there a way to basically ease into Somebody's not doing this or operating, say, off of one account. What is the yeah. best way for them to get started to recognize the fact that, look, I'm an insurance agency owner. I'm in my third or fourth year. I'm making less money now as the owner than I was when I first started my business. Oh, I mean, that's honestly yeah. true for a lot of them. And they're like, yeah. look, I want to be able to. And I think it actually creates some resentment in some cases. I hated my business, man. I remember not making any money. I'm like,
0: damn it. I'm paying all my employees bills and I can't yeah. pay my own. Guys pissed. Not him, me. So the problem I had with Prop First, when I first rolled it out, the book that circulates now is the revised and expanded edition, was I taught the whole system in it, but I didn't give people a way to start slow and let it grow. I simply said, here's the system. And then people weren't doing it. I finally had this epiphany that if, for example, you want to run a marathon one day and you're not a runner, like the first day of practice, you don't run a marathon, but that's why I send people to do it. You learn to stretch and the proper form and so forth. So here's how you start slow. Just go to your bank and set up one additional account. And this is foundational. It has to be done at your bank because this is not on a spreadsheet. It's not in your accounting system because those are things we don't refer to. The behavioral path that people follow is we log into our bank account to see what our balance is. So Profit First is a behavioral cash management system. It's not an accounting system. It's a behavioral cash management system and it channels an existing behavior. So if you're the type of person that logs your bank account to see what balance you have, that's gold. We can make you very profitable. But the first step is set one account at your bank, call it profit. Then starting to allocate a small percentage. I suggest if you've never done anything like this, 1%. If you do have a historical cash profit and actual distribution at the end of the year, add another 1% to what you have historically. But start very slow, 1%. So what I'm saying is if $1,000 comes in, 1% is 10 bucks, move $10 from that income that you deposited into your profit account. Now run your business off the 990 left over. And what you'll find is, you can do it because that amount is so inconsequential. What was highly consequential is at the end of that day, and then it'll accumulate over time, the end of the week and month, you have 10, 15, money starts accumulating. And that's the aha moment. It's like, wow, I have profit sitting here in a cash basis. I can take this whenever I want. What if I do 2% or 3? And for many businesses that implement profit first, and we have, well, it's well over 500,000 now. I'm not exactly sure, but it's about three to 4,000 new businesses a week are implementing profit first is when they start slow, it takes about six months, even a year to roll into the full system, but they get there. It's the businesses that try to run that marathon from day one, that it's too much, it's too fast, and they give up on it. And I think that's a shame.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like anything, guys. Like, you I think you said the analogy of starting to work out or running a marathon. You want to go run a marathon. No, you got to start actually just even knowing to walk a mile, right, yeah. to be able to get there. What about that whenever you start to implement, because – Some people have maybe tried to set up all of the accounts and then it gets kind of initially a little confusing about like where to transfer from. Like, I would like for you to speak to that part of it about how to actually manage the, once they get more of the accounts set up, exactly what your recommendation is with that. And then secondly, just the importance of actually having a professional, because a lot of times they'll look at it once a year, they actually get books. They're not getting their financials on a monthly basis. Now, It's obviously what Club Capital does to help insurance agents. So they have this, Data so they can make better decisions in your business. Right. Yeah. Having a partner, particularly a paid expert, I think is of tremendous
0: value. So I'll start there and then we'll talk about actually the accounts. To me, it's like a gym. So starting about seven, eight years ago, I devoted myself, I said, I got to work out all the time. I've always known I need to exercise, but how am I going to do this on a sustained basis? And what I realized is the most effective way to always work out is to have a trainer. So there's three scenarios. One is you can read the book. Of here's the exercise you need to do and, and go to the gym, and that's great and hopefully you'll stick with it. But it requires a high degree of internal commitment. Also, you may not be doing the right exercises, so you may be doing some stuff that injures you. I remember going to the gym and seeing these guys like with massive arms and these like pea or toothpick legs, and I'm sure they can throw a whop of a punch. But if they got to lean into it, the guy's gonna crumble like a little baby on the ground. So I'm like, oh, this doesn't seem like there's balance here. Step two is to do it with a partner and that becomes collaborative. So you find someone else that wants to work out and say, Hey, let's do this together. Great accountability. You can learn from each other. The only problem that happens there is when collusion kicks in. So that one rainy day comes and your partner used to go meet me at the gym. Let's do this. The one day is like the partner says, You know what? I don't go to the gym either today. You want to grab some donuts with me? And then, you know, now you're at the donut shop together. You're like, Yeah, we got this. And so it becomes collusion and it hurts us. But the, one inflappable method, at least that I find, is a trainer, a paid trainer. You get someone at the gym who is professionally trained in these exercises, knows what to do, is appropriate for what gains and changes you want to make for yourself, ensures you don't injure yourself, and makes sure that you pace appropriately. Plus, the day you don't want to show up, they're the gym, they're being paid for this, they're like, where are you, where are you? There's a high, high level of accountability. So when it comes to profit first, or any of these methods, I always tell people, go with a trained professional who can guide you through this, that holds you accountable and make sure you don't get injured. And it's funny, I was just talking with one of our, we call them profit first professionals. I was talking with one yesterday and they said that they had someone that got up to speed on profit first and they said, thank you. I got this now. And they decided to do it alone. They called six months later and said, I need to hire you back. And I said, why are you doing it wrong? They said, I just stopped doing it. It's not even that I'm doing it right or wrong. I just stopped doing it. I faded out. I realized, even though I kind of understand it now, I need that accountability. And that's why I'm going to pay you just so I don't screw this up. In, in regards to your first part of the question was how many accounts we set up? How do we manage it all? So Profit First in a full implementation, the full base implementation has seven accounts. There's these five accounts we call the foundational five. And these two accounts to hide money from ourselves so we don't steal from ourselves. So what we do is we set up these accounts. One is called income to recognize incoming deposits. One's called profit that we already talked about. This is a distribution to a shareholder. who started the business. One's called owner's comp, different than profit. Owner's comp is the pay for you to be an employee in your business. Basically, if you had to hire someone to replace yourself, what would you have to pay them to stay? That's the amount of money you should be being paid as a salary. Different than profit, that's for owning a business, taking on risk. One for tax, taxes, the number one biggest bill that business owners are least prepared for that's associated with operating business is the tax bill. So we're reserve money to pay taxes. And this isn't just the corporation's taxes, it's your own personal taxes too, because that's the definition of financial freedom, not worrying about bills. The last account is called OPEX. That's for the operations of the business. And I know this is a lot, but what happens is money flows in we carve it up based on a percentage basis, just like the envelope system. You now know what money is available for what intended use. You grab that OPEX envelope and you say, okay, I had a thousand dollars coming into income. I carved this up. I actually have $500 to operate my business because I want to have a hundred dollars for Profit. I want to pay myself two hundred bucks. I need reserve for taxes. So what happens is now we have a very clear understanding, just by logging to our bank account, what money is available for what intended use. It used to be thousand dollars deposits. Hey, I got thousand dollars to spend. I needed that new computer. That's just enough money. Well, we didn't think about payroll. That's due the next day. We don't think about paying ourselves. Now that the money gets carved up, oh, I have five hundred dollars for the operations of the business, and
1: we work much more prudently under this system. I think you've told this story that there was a very ancient Chinese box or something that was from like thousands of years ago. So this envelope system has been around for thousands of years. Somebody was talking about this. I don't know if it was you or somebody else and was referring to this. And so like you're talking about fundamentals of managing money yep. that has been around for thousands of years, just bringing again into obviously present day times. That's exactly it. I think that's the power of this system is it's not something I
0: invented. It's not something that's brand new and radical. It's been something that's been around forever. It's very popular also in Europe. I wrote about that. I didn't write about the Chinese system, but I'm sure it was there. In Europe, they have these boxes with these different slots, one for the rent, one for food and so forth. And when you get your money and you just divide it up accordingly, and now you know what's available for what purpose. So this system's been around forever and it works. There's books like Richest Man Babylon, Think and Grow Rich. They all talk about this concept. I'm simply saying there's an application of it to our business with a little tweaks, a little bit of changes to
1: really fit in perfectly for a business, but fundamentally it's identical. Mike, it's absolutely been a pleasure. So you've written Total Paper Entrepreneur, Surge, Pumpkin Plan, Profit First. I mean, where do you recommend, and I think you've got a new book coming out, I think this year, Get Different on Marketing, if you can talk about that real quick, but where would somebody who has not read one of your books, where do you actually recommend that they start? Probably the starting point, I mean, you're gonna pick a site. I would go there, go to
0: mikemichalowicz.com, but here's the shortcut. No one can spell Go to Mike Motorbike, as in the motorcycle, MikeMotorbike.com. That was my nickname for some stupid reason because I've never okay. driven a motorcycle. But MikeMotorbike.com. And on there, you'll see options basically upon what your biggest need is. So okay. are you challenged financially right now? Are you challenged with organic growth or culture? And you'll find a book that may serve you in that regard.
1: Mike, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for what you do to serve entrepreneurs and small business owners around the world. You've impacted my life. And I know the lives of so many people. We're grateful to be able to have a little bit of your time. Bradley, thank you, brother, for having me. You know, Mike just makes business sound simple. Business is not simple, though, right? Business is highly complex. I mentioned that on the podcast with Mike. And it has a lot of moving pieces. But what he does is he allows you to be able to feel like, you know what, I can do this. I can do the social structure and those system, and when he talked about the DNA of all businesses being the same, and we think all of our businesses are different, even within the same company you represent, whether captive or independent, we can kind of begin to feel like all the challenges and things that we face are are different. But the reality is, is it's not. And whether you're an in insurance or another business. There are certain principles that are at play that can help you to be able to see there is a path. There is a path to help you, as we say with Club Capital, grow your business, grow your leadership and grow and develop your team. I think one of the things that he said, which I hope that doesn't get glossed over, is that that you take steps. Just because you don't implement, whether it's the entire profit first system or if you've read this book, fix this next and go through the entire hierarchy of needs. You don't do everything. Don't feel like you have to do the whole thing. Make steps towards actually beginning to move towards a system to where you begin to recognize your profitability. Of course, Club Capital does an amazing job of helping you to take your information at data that you have and be able to put it in a perspective and a way for you to make sense of your money something that used to be just kind of the backstage part of your business. Now it actually can be one of the the strategic generator to help you make better decisions in your business. If you make better decisions, you're going to gain more confidence. If you gain more confidence, your team is going to pick up on that. And that can begin to slowly turn around the culture that you have or build upon the culture that you have in your business. And so I think that what everything that Mike was saying, fits so perfectly with what club capital can do for you in your business, and your insurance agency. Go to club.capital and book your free demo if you're not a client and just see it and and take a look at it and and compare and contrast what you're doing currently to what Club Capital would be able to do. No obligation demo, go to club.capital. Obviously, Mike does not dismiss sales. He understands that sales are important, but sometimes if you don't actually get certain things in order, making more sales can be a detriment to your business. You can actually make certain things worse. But for those of you that, hate, we're ready to step on the gas pedal. We really want investors. Else. We know that we need to have an online presence. We need to show up in our search results a certain way. But We're just not getting the volume of leads online in addition to referrals. I mean, we've had a lot of guests on that talk about referral strategies and they're fantastic. Not one business would not want to be able to have more of their business to come from referrals. But it's just impossible this day and time to not have some presence, a really good presence for the ways that you want to show up online. What search results do you want to show? What company are you representing? How do you need to do that? Go back and listen to the podcast we've had with Matt Jones with Direct Clicks. And after you've done that, hey, give those guys a call, whoever you're with now, or if you're trying to do it yourself. Matt talked about that on his podcast. We recently had him on. If you're doing it yourself, your time could probably be better suited to doing something else. If you're frustrated, or just want to be able to get some input, reach out to the team at DirectClicks, directclicksinc.com, and just talk to them. They're really big on transparency, especially so that you know exactly where your money is going. Go to directclicksinc.com and see what they can do for you and your business. Grateful for all of you listening, your continued support of the podcast. If you could share this episode with a friend, whether on Apple iTunes or Spotify, Google Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We're dropping an episode every Monday morning. We send out our email. If you want to get notified, stay on our email list of the guests that we're having on. Go to club.capital forward slash podcast. Sign up to be able to get our emails every week. Until next episode, lead well.